As doctors of what I call proper healthcare, and certainly as chiropractors, our mission is big and bold. Our nation and the world requires leadership when confronting the pandemic of metabolic derangement, which leads to degenerative disease and poor health. Masses of people around the globe will never know what it feels like to have boundless energy, unlimited potential, and true health independence into their senior years. Join me in my quest to bring together the best practices to make you a leader in your community. My question to the entire profession is, if not now, when? If not us, who? Hey everybody, Dr. G here, and I'm here to share with you more information on how to make your practices better. So we're gonna be interviewing Ben Velasquez. Ben Velasquez is a very unique individual. He's somebody who is called internationally, would be called a physio. Uh, but Ben Velasquez uh, and I have been working together for quite some time on a lot of my most difficult cases, uh, particularly my brain-based cases, concussion cases. And many of my concussion cases actually are referrals from Ben Velasquez. And a lot of my concussion ca cases get referred to Ben Velasquez. So we work together and uh, we're going to discuss exactly how his practice has made my practice really explode uh, and, and really make it unique. And I think we can do the same thing for you. So... Like I said, Ben is a physio, uh, and he'll explain exactly what that means. It's kind of like that that area in between rehab and being game ready, where uh, you know an athlete needs to not only be pain free and have full range of motion and all their strength and speed and agility, but they have to be able to perform in a game situation. And post concussion, that's actually very important. Uh, he's a disciple and student of Guy Voyer. Dr. Guy Voyer is an orthopedic surgeon from France who's also an osteopath who's basically devised a, um, a program that is called LDOA. Ben will explain exactly what LDOA is. But he's been working directly with Guy Voyer for the last 15 years. Guy Voyer has been the team athlete for some of the best soccer clubs in the world. He's worked with some of uh, household names in particular. Most recently, uh, he's worked directly with the big comeback that Tiger Woods had uh, in winning the Masters. And Ben has been, again, a disciple of Guy Voyer and has really been on a first-name basis with him for quite some time. And he's going to be sharing with us some of the expertise that he brings to the table uh, from his education uh, from Guy Voyer. He also has a program that he developed that I'm really interested in, in discussing more because it's something that you've been working on and uh, you've developed. Uh, it's called the 21 program, and we'll, we'll discuss that in more detail. But look, this is... We're in coronavirus time, right? So <clears throat> coronavirus time means that we're those of us who are creative and sitting at home and not have much to do are getting really creative in uh, with our time and and putting together the content that we need to share with our colleagues to make ourselves better as a profession uh, moving forward when we come out of this coronavirus situation. Uh, so right now it's basically March 2020. I'm sorry, the beginning of April 2020, and we we you know are going to be uh, discussing 
what could practice look like for us in three months, in six months, in 12 months. And uh, welcome, Ben. Thank you. Th- thanks, thanks for, for being having here. me. Of course, of course. And uh, it'll be probably one of many. So this is going to be, you know, just getting started on on introducing some concepts. So can you explain a little bit about your practice, what you do and uh, what your education is and how it's different from other trainers and therapists and physios or PTs? Yeah, so my my undergraduate education is unrelated. It's but related. Uh, It's in aeronautical engineering, aeronautical science. I just decided to get out of that field and um, um, always had a love for the gym because I played baseball at at a pretty high level. And uh, so I went uh, into... uh, studying physiology after uh, after my undergraduate degree. And uh, I started in corporate fitness for about four or five years and then made my way to pro sports on the performance end uh, through uh, the WHL, um, the Junior Hockey League in Western Canada. So I used to go to Western Canada twice a month and I would write programs, all the strength and conditioning programs for a particular uh, WHL team. So when you were playing hockey growing up in Western Ontario, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you don't really have that Canadian yeah, accent. So, so. Um, yeah, so I knew zero about hockey other than I was supposed to be a Rangers fan because I was born and raised in the Bronx. And so we rooted for the Rangers specifically in 94 when they last won the cup. And the biggest sports celebration in New York history was in yeah. 94 Rangers. Nothing ever even came close. Yeah, it was awesome. I think everybody was a hockey fan. It was a big deal. So uh, I knew nothing about hockey, never played hockey, you know, um, from Puerto Rico. So it's baseball and boxing. That's about it. Um, so uh, I went into it uh, with looking at it like an engineer and looking at it like I always try to um, reverse engineering what I what I needed to accomplish in writing their performance based programs. And then little by little, I learned more about the sport and there's nuances to everything you do, um, including being a strength and conditioning coach. There's science, which is hard. And then there's the art to practicing that science, which is where the nuances lie. And that comes with experience and, you know, respecting the science. So uh, I did that for a while. And then I quickly realized with the athletes that I was working with in the off season that... I had a short period of time, typically somewhere in the nature of a 12 to 16 week period um, by which I was supposed to work with these guys to get them to improve, to show up to camp and improve their performance for the next season. Well, I found most of the guys were recovering from the season, recovering from minor injuries, in some cases recovering, recovering from injury, from uh, surgeries. And by the time that I got them, it was more like I was patching things together and I was never, never able to execute the plan. So I realized there was a big gap between physical therapy and performance or being field or game ready. So I kind of went into it, was going to go to PT school. And that's when I met Guy and uh, Dr. Boyer, rather, in uh, in Montreal. And he had an unaccredited course that he put together, um, soma therapy and soma training. And uh, it was a four-year program that he put together. And I was one of the first students in the program. And we studied here in the States and in Montreal and in, also in Marseille. And the program could be considered a 
therapy-based program, but in the osteopathic world, treatment and exercise are all part of the same paradigm. So what we were learning was integrating that as well as really advanced biomechanics, really advanced functional anatomy. Um, and uh, so that's what I apply now. I started doing more rehab about nine, ten years ago, um, bridging that gap. And then about six or seven years ago is when the concussion thing really exploded. And I started evaluating the athletes that were coming into the office. And I said, how many of these athletes have had one or more events, a TBI, a concussion? And it turned out that the numbers were rather high. It was about 80%. So where I was looking at, hey, have you... Have you had a knee problem or an ankle problem? I also was asking if they had had a TBI. And I said, okay, what's the mechanical component associated with this? How can exercise, how can reinforcement, how can proprioception, how can mobility mitigate um, the risk factors associated with the TBI? And that's kind of what I've been working on is looking so, at. So from a chiropractic perspective, uh, you know, again, that that's the perspective that I come from. What was attractive to me was this recognition that uh, it's the nervous system that, that's damaged in a, in a concussion. And if you're getting an athlete who had a torn ACL or a shoulder lab- labral tear or a hip labrum tear, you could look at their biomechanics and their global presentation and really extrapolate that injury b- prior to the injury to their concussion. Mm-hmm. So what, and, and the research bears that out, right? The research, you and I both have been on stage around the country to speak on the topic of concussion. We know that you have a... Av- for 12 months after a concussion, you have a 400% increase in the likelihood of getting a soft tissue injury like a torn ACL, mm-hmm. medial meniscus, shoulder labral tear, herniated disc. And and that was very attractive to me because your understanding of the central nervous system was very much akin to my own being a chiropractor, recognizing that it's the nervous system that's the master system, the system that controls all the other systems in the body. If you interfere with that, then you're going to have effects. Mm-hmm. Getting your knee operated on is sometimes necessary after you've had that tear. But if you don't fix the problem from its source, well, then that person is going to have another injury, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that, that's what you saw in, in, the, uh, in the world of athletics. And it's interesting because I have a little personal story I want to tell with regards to Eldoa, which is you mentioned Soma. I believe you're referring to the same thing. So um, Eldoa is a, a French acronym. I'm not going to pretend that I could say, but it really stands for longitudinal osteoarticular decoaptation. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that you can use certain postures uh, and and apply leverage uh, using your the fascia in your, you know, throughout your your body to create a tension or a a reduction in tension uh, in certain vertebral segments. So for example, I blew out my L4, L5 disc uh, about 18 months ago really bad. I mean, like toothpaste out of the tube, kind of a herniation, uh, radiculopathy going down. It was, it was a nightmare, clearly a surgical candidate chose to not get surgery. And Eldoa was a huge part of my own personal recovery. And 
going through those postures, creating that leverage. You know, chiropractors uh, with herniated discs have had a lot of experience doing decompression with machines. It's a passive decompression. Mm-hmm. So you're either in a, in a seated or a supine or a prone position, depending on what you're looking to do. And you have a machine actually apply a distraction or a decompressive force mm-hmm. on, on the vertebral segments involved. Mm-hmm. What I love about Aldoa is that you guys created a series of postures that actually create that moment of decompression, separating those vertebrae mm-hmm. by doing it actively, mm-hmm. by attaining that certain type of posture. And it's very precise. It's not very comfortable, but between swimming, sauna, and Aldoa, those are probably the three things outside of getting getting seen by my chiropractor on a on a regular basis that really allowed my recovery to become complete uh so i i have that that's my personal story and you've seen that story repeated over and over and over in your patients yeah the odo system is a very powerful system that dr voyer developed um i believe it was the late 70s and early 80s there was a big problem in uh in uh France with lower back pain as there was here as well. There was a lot of media attention. So they put a lot of money behind it. And he was, I believe, doing his thesis in the osteopathic medical school there. And a team of his uh, uh, colleagues, they started embarking on what were the most successful therapies and why were they successful in helping with lower back pain. So they looked historically, you know, uh, the manual therapies of some of the best practitioners in the world, you know, including Feldenkrais and so on and so forth. And, you know, where did they succeed and where did they fail? And together, they put together and it ended up just being he put together a series of postures um, that they tested uh, with thousands of patients that, in your words, create a certain myofascial tension, respecting the laws of biotensegrity, um, that will create the right tension to decoapt a certain vertebral space or a certain position in your pelvis. And what the difference is, is the difference that I find relative to any injury goes back to what you said about the nervous system is about rewiring the hard drive, whether it's an ankle or it is a concussion, you know, the problem or where most of the therapies fall short is that there's no transfer to the therapy and how the athlete or client manages their center of gravity when they stand on the ground. And Eldoa addresses that because it's working the deep intrinsic muscles of the spine that are most important that send the quickest information to the hard drive as to where you are in space that you can achieve when you're doing something passive, whether it's lying, you know, supine or prone or seated. It just doesn't have the same transfer. And that goes directly to the chiropractic profession. So the people who listen to this podcast or this video mm-hmm. are really some of the busiest chiropractors in the world. These are people who have just remarkable hands. They have a great uh, sense of identifying the uh, structural interference that the, the patient has and, and, and correcting that with their hands. Um, and there, there are exceptions to, you know, we all have different techniques in how we do that. But what you said was the intrinsic musculature of the spine, even the connective tissue and the mechanoreceptor um, mechanism that would help 
that patient not only accept the adjustment, but to hold the adjustment. Correct. I mean, that that that's something that is it's, it's a very big deal because especially now with all the insults that people have in the year 2020, the insults we have in our environment posturally, physically, uh, you know, we're, we're just a fatter nation than we've ever been. We're metabolically unhealthy. We're biochemically unsound. Uh, this 2020 coronavirus has revealed how, uh, basically, uh, how metabolic syndrome and obesity, uh, and, and, our youth with vaping and other things that, that, you know, really harm their metabolic health has really weakened them. And you can see that in how they respond to a viral infection that should probably be relatively mild for most people. But they're also, we're also seeing that in, in, in our profession in how weak people are so that when we adjust them and correct their structural lack of integrity, they walk out of the office and they're, again, they're overweight, they have mus- muscular atrophy, they have uh, very poor communication between their nervous system and their body, and they're just not benefiting from what a chiropractor has to offer the way patients 50 years ago may have benefited or 70 years ago or 80 years ago. And mm. very few chiropractors would even uh, argue the fact that we are far less healthy uh, as a people than we've ever been before. So what I like about uh, the work that you do, and I really want to dive into how this can be brought into a busy chiropractic office, mm-hmm. especially now with the need that we have to do things virtually, to do things um, maybe not necessarily on site. Most of the chiropractors listening to this do not have the time to bring people through yoga style postures. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that, but if there was a uh, a program that the patient could take with them. Mm-hmm to do at home to reinforce what's happening in the office. That's not yoga. That's not just routine exercise, but really specific to the spine and, and um, reinforcing the work that we're doing in the, in the office. Can you tell us a little bit about the virtual work that you've been doing, especially during this coronavirus time and the 21 program that you created? Yeah. So, um, I fortunately, prior to this, had been dipping my toes in the virtual, you know, uh, treatment, virtual uh, uh, session uh, environment. And I uh, I was having success with it, mainly with recovery stuff, mobility stuff, LDOA that we spoke about, you know, um, more therapeutic type uh, programs for my, for my clients and athletes. So when this whole pandemic hit, my practice went completely virtual. So in the last two weeks, I've been seeing every one of my clients virtually and designing their programs uh, and recording them virtually for them. Um, and I'm just kind of stepping up, you know, everything from the technology that I'm using to how I'm scheduling appointments to how I'm following up to what kind of data I'm gathering for them within those appointments on um, what kind of progressions mm-hmm. I'm putting them through what kind of homework I'm giving them to do I'm trying to maximize the virtual experience for them um, and in doing so also I had to figure out how to train myself and I thought to myself okay what's the average person um, doing that has to work from home now. They're spending a lot of time in front of the computer. 
they're spending a lot of time seated. As you and your colleagues know, that's probably the most amount of pressure on your spine is seated. Generally, most places it's in a bad position and bad posture. So, Especially if they're working from home, they're not in any kind of ergonomic environment. That's exactly right. So I thought to myself, you know, what kind of program would I want to have if I were to put myself in their shoes? What kind of program would my colleagues that are doctors and therapists want to see that would have some type of therapeutic effect as well, not just performance-based effect, but therapeutic. So I put together a little program, which I call 21s, because they take 21 minutes, and you do 21 minutes, three segments a day. The first segment a day, you're doing more conditioning-type segmental block training, calisthenics, segmental reinforcement work on the ground, a warm-up, but it takes 21 minutes. You'll pick seven exercises and you'll do three rounds of those seven exercises, which will give you 21 sets in 21 minutes. Then four to six hours later, you'll do a mobility type workout. Um, you'll warm up a little bit and you'll do seven stretches and you'll do three rounds of 30 seconds of seven stretches and it should take you about 21 minutes. And the third workout, another 21 minutes later in the day, in the early evening, you're doing an Eldoa workout. So you're getting these Eldoa postures, which are like scientific yoga for certain segments in your spine and pelvis to decoapt those segments at the end of the day when you most need it because you've been compressing them throughout the day. There, there's an Eldoa posture for virtually every vertebral segment, but mm-hmm. which do you feel are the most... Um, you're not going to do all segments of, 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 of the spine. Um, but is, is there, are, are there certain segments that pretty much come up in most people? Yeah, pretty much across the board, the thoracic spine, specifically the upper thoracic spine, you know, everywhere from T5 to T10. Um, in most people, are, uh, especially uh, former athletes, um, uh tech people, mm-hmm. that area becomes rigid. And it's interesting too, but the yeah. thoracic spine, you know, we, 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 in school, we were, uh, taught in kind of an old chiropractic idea that, uh, the nerves, uh, that come from that segment, the organs that they go to are affected. And therefore the thoracic spine was very much related to the, uh, sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we know that, uh, structurally that's, not necessarily the way things work, but functionally Mm. by, I mean, just as a people, we're sitting at computers like this with this, Mm. you know, our Mm. our breathing has become more shallow and rapid. Our our flexibility in our thoracic spine is not what it should be. Mm. And what you're seeing in all of your patients is this need for the thoracic spine to have more mobility, more flexibility for chest excursion to, uh, for the ribs to be able to move a lot better. Mm. And we know that if your breathing improves and becomes less shallow and less rapid, uh, that that's going to improve the, the parasympathetic nervous system and mm-hmm. help that person reduce cortisol and kind of have a, a better digestive experience, a better mm-hmm. sleeping experience. Um, so it's just interesting that you said like in almost all the cases, you have to work on that thoracic mobility. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thoracic mobility is big in most sports, most sports. Uh, I mean, it's important in all sports, but it's a big part of the work that 
that I do in my practice is is thoracic mobility for all the reasons that you said, you know, and in the environment that we live in now, there's a direct link between thoracic mobility and your immune system. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it becomes important as well to get more of a positive immune response for my athletes. The more parasympathetic that I keep them, the more they're closer to that flow state. The more sympathetic they are, the more inefficient they are, and uh, the further away they are from that flow state. So there's a direct link between structure and function, the same way there's a direct link between function and structure. Excellent. And all right, so anywhere in particular in the in the, in the thoracic spine, or, or are we talking about the whole thoracic spine, or is there you know particularly T eight T nine? Is it particularly T one T two? Is there anything anywhere? Um, I think, you know, for if if you had like limited amount of time to do it, if you were a practitioner and you wanted to prescribe to your patient population two or three Eldoa and perhaps, you know, figure out a way to deliver it to them digitally so they could do it on their own. I think there are a couple of segments that for everyone in the lumbar spine, it's L5-S1. In the thoracic spine, it's probably, in my opinion, T6, T7 for most. Um, And then um, the cervical spine, which is a little bit trickier, uh, in most patients, it's usually at the junction point. Uh, it's usually, you know, 71, mm-hmm. six, seven, seven, one, uh, simply because of the position of the neck when they're, you know, using all this, all these digital devices. So I think those would be, you know, what I would prescribe if I were running a practice that I could get the most bang for the buck. And um, there are progressions for each one of those. But in the 21, this was just designed for now for the state we're at. And for three reasons. One was to be able to exercise and do it in a really efficient way. Two is to be able to move three times a day in a short period of time so you would stimulate to your point more of a parasympathetic response post-exercise because we're kind of living in anxious times now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then thirdly, because I think you just want to get up and move around because you're more productive that way. And rather than do an hour or a 90-minute workout in the morning or an evening, I think breaking it up is a nice way to kind of segmentalize the program but also move three times a day. So do you think it's uh, something that... That is in the near future to be able to digitize a a uh, twenty one program to be uh, brought into a chiropractor's office. Oh, absolutely. I see okay. that that can be easily done. Yeah. Well, that that that's something that we're going to work on okay. uh, because I definitely think uh, you know with again the the time of uh, of this recording is April twenty twenty the uh, coronavirus situation and you know. We as a nation, we as a profession, we as individuals have been caught on our heels, unprepared for what just happened. Mm -hmm. Now, who could prepare for the whole world to come to a halt? I don't think anyone's prepared for that. But I don't think this is the last time we're going to see some kind of crazy pandemic sweep through the world. Uh, And maybe we won't see a response like this one because I don't think that we can handle it, to tell you the truth. Um, There is going to be long-term behavioral change that's just going to happen in the way people behave in the marketplace, in the workplace, mm. uh, as consumers, as, as um, you know, I don't know about you, but 
I can't wait to go to a busy, loud restaurant, have a steak, whiskey at the bar. <clears throat> right. I, I mean, Keens or, or Peter Luger. If I cough or Shout sneeze, at, you know, is everyone's head going to just ex- explode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, are, are we going to wear gloves? I mean, it, it's insane. I mean, I know I think I'm it's going to be really weird. I mean, I it's going to be weird. I think it's going to be weird in all aspects of any kind of social interaction. Um, especially where we live, because I take mass transit. It's more efficient. That in itself is like, okay, do you want to go down into a busy subway station? You know, I've been driving into the city for 25 years. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's going to be weird. I think more people are going to be looking to getting health and care information like you're providing them and like your colleagues are providing them is just giving them information on all aspects of health. It's not just information, it's service. It's billable Mm. services. Mm. I mean, the government had just changed the regulation on what what we can and can't do. And, you know, you and I both don't have any kind of insurance-based practice. I haven't I don't think I've built an insurance company in in quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're you're fully self-pay in in your practice too, but I think now uh, if a chiropractor has a virtual um, experience with a patient, because uh, again, what do chiropractors do? We adjust and we educate, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can't adjust, if you can't put your hands on the patient, you can certainly educate them, and you can do that virtually, but. I'll add to that. You could also examine them. There are exam procedures that you can do, uh, you know, and you do it yourself when when you're looking at a patient through a, a FaceTime or, or a Zoom chat and you're checking range of motion and you have them man- maneuver themselves in certain ways. Mm. Um, you can certainly glean clinical information from that exam procedure mm-hmm. and working from a distance and then being able to coach them through the postures you need them to um you know, to, to, to attain, to do their procedure right. I mean, there's an avenue there for, for your practices. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there's a, um, you know, I think what chiropractors have to realize that if you're hundred percent of your practice is fully dependent on your hands and your brick and mortar location, well, then this kind of an event that we have going on right now can crush your, your career. Right, mm-hmm. your what whatever it is you built, but if you have the ability to get online on a Zoom chat and provide a billable service with your with with your patients, whether it be nutritional, met- metabolic, um, structural, right, mm-hmm. um, those are things that we that we can do uh, as chiropractors. And if you're not currently doing it now, we're going to get out of this. And like I said, it won't be the last time. So let's be prepared and start to get educated in what needs to be done to have a more diverse economic model for your practice, as well as provide great service that still accomplishes the goal, still accomplishes the goals that a chiropractor has for their patients, which is removing interference with optimal function. Um, So I'm hoping that we can get this 21 program really off the ground Mm -hmm. uh, so we can share it. Uh, I think every, everyone would be interested in it, uh, just like the metabolic uh, programs that I provide for 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 my doctors. Um, I always tell them, don't recommend this to your patients unless you went through it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so with Eldoa and with the this twenty one program, it would be great to introduce it to the docs and let them do it 
themselves mm-hmm. see the changes so that they can share that with their patients and oh, again, yeah. offer something. We, we might be able to do that like right away. Yeah. You know, set up for the docs, the ability for them to participate. Um, you know, as, as, uh, just participants in the whole program mm-hmm. themselves just be able to do the actual program for I don't know for a couple of weeks yeah just yeah. to be able to do it for a couple of weeks in a row so give us uh, some examples of some of the ty- types of uh, injuries and uh, that you've worked with on with professional athletes so um, you don't have to drop any names or anything mm-hmm. like that we don't want to violate any, any, anyone's privacy but um, have there been any boxers hockey players um baseball players, football players that, that, um, because they had an experience with you and, and your training, Mm -hmm. uh, it really turned their, their recovery around. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I've been fortunate enough in my career to have worked with athletes from all the major pro sports and quite a few Olympic athletes. Um, and I think that if I speak where the value added for them is more about educating them uh, and being their, their own advocate for their body, mm-hmm. you know, all aspects of their body, that's the most important. So being their own advocate, meaning not putting all of their faith into the team doctor. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I, you see all the successful athletes now, they have a chiro that they work with, in some cases a massage therapist, generally a nutritionist. Most of them have hired a chef at home if they can afford it. Um, they obviously have some type of trainer or strength coach that they work with that's separate from the team. So they have the good, the smart athletes have a team of people and they manage their own uh body and their own performance. Um, I think I would add to that is the really successful athletes are the ones that take that model and make it a proactive model. So it doesn't matter if they feel good. They build all that into their calendar at all times. That, that That's a great lesson, not just for the elite athlete, but also for, for our patients, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have your team. You got to mm-hmm. have your team. You got to, you can't just be reactive to what happens around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to educate our patients to, uh, again, not get caught flat footed again. Mm-hmm. Don't put yourself in a, in a metabolic situation where a, a virus that should be mild becomes something that lands you in, 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 in the, uh, intensive care unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that holds true. So what you said, you know, who's your chiropractor, who's your, uh, who's doing your soft tissue work, who's handling your advice on nu- nutrition, uh, who's your dentist, right? So you got to have your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, now not everyone can afford the team approach the way you described that, um, uh, the way athletes have, but I think people are going to need to make a bigger investment in their personal health. I think they're going to find their income is going to uh, profit from that. Their their career is going to profit from that. Their family life is going to profit from that. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to be just be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just during this coronavirus thing, uh, you know, we're spending so much time at home. And, uh, you know, I always feel that when I work out and I take care of myself, I everything I do in my life, I... 
I enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I work out this morning and swim a mile and spend, uh, you know, some time in the treadmill and do some lifting and uh, some time in the sauna, I feel great mm -hmm. the rest of the day. And then when I go out to dinner that night, you know, I just kind of feel good. I feel like I look good in my clothing. I feel like... I have energy uh, to get through the day and, and, and still enjoy myself in the evening. And during this time, I'm working out at home and then sitting at home. And I, I just don't feel the reward as much, you know. I, have, have you heard anybody else say that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, be it's been difficult for even the pro athletes that I have to get... You know, many of these guys have home gyms, but I think it has a lot to do with what you said. It's like, what am I doing this for? Plus, there's also this underlying level of anxiety mm -hmm. that's kind of hanging over us. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of sitting in this fight or flight that you don't really realize you're in. You know, another reason for splitting up the workouts like that, because, right. you know, you, your ability to to focus is limited when you have that level of anxiety. So to focus for an hour, you know, but to do 20 minutes a couple of times a day and then yeah. to get some type of value from those 20 minutes, um, also hormonally, it's probably better. So you're not taxing your system, but you're just stressing it just enough um, to elicit a response. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it's difficult for everyone. Also, people are, not, I mean, at least in, in New York, you're not, we're not living in big spaces. So it's like, okay, where am I going to train? And I know all the apartment buildings here that have home gyms that have gyms in the building, they're all closed. So even if you live in a building with a gym in it, you still have to train in your apartment. Right. So most people don't have weights or a gym in their apartment. So what do I do? How do I, you know, do this? And you know, it's funny. Yeah. We're 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 going hiking tomorrow uh, up in the uh, this area we like to go with the waterfalls. And mm -hmm. I was having this conversation, uh, and I say we, my my children and I. And somebody said to me, and I I wish I didn't have this conversation with them, but they're like, yeah, but you know what? You know, you go hiking and you have a fall and your kid breaks a bone and then you got to go to the emergency room and oh, there's, you know, a uh, virus there. And I'm like, is this the way we have to think now? I mean, I'm going to mm -hmm. I'm going to sit home and and which is out of the question for me. I'm not doing that. We're, no. we're, we're, we're going hiking. Yeah. But I just hate that that is even a thought. Yeah, you can't, you can't help it. I mean, I have a three-year-old and, you know, we escape and go to playgrounds when no one's at. But the whole time in my head, it's like a Stephen King novel. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, if he falls, like, right. you know, the, the medical system is completely overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But you can't live that way either. But right. there's that anxiety is definitely there that didn't exist before. Right. You know, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we could talk for hours and, and mm -hmm. all of you have talked for hours in your world with you know what 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 is this whole thing about what is mm -hmm. it what's going to come of it and we don't need to have that conversation again but 
Um, I think the main thing I want this podcast to to do is to get the wheels turning mm-hmm. uh, on on your businesses and your practices and what you're offering to your patients. We want to come out of this with a greater level of service and a greater level of purpose. Uh, and and uh, you know we'll definitely keep you posted on what we're going to be providing with the 21 program. And hopefully that's something we can help get into a lot of offices around the country mm-hmm. to make a difference in people's lives. So uh, thanks, Ben, for being here because uh, again, we're going to be having a lot more of these these in interviews. You and I have been working together for a long time, and uh, you know, till next time. Thank you for having me. This podcast is for general informational purposes only, and does not constitute the practice of chiropractic, medicine, nursing, or any other professional healthcare service, including the giving of chiropractic or medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional chiropractic or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not regard or delay in obtaining chiropractic or medical advice from any chiropractic or medical condition they may have and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.